This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're going to uh, turn our attention overseas now to a story that I think we should all be paying very close attention to because right now, in a country that is famous for oppressing its citizens, a deadly fight, literally a deadly fight for freedom is underway. Uh, according to state police, as many as 26 people are dead so far as a result of clashes between Iranian police and security forces and the citizens of Iran. Uh, they took to the streets after a 22-year-old woman was killed by Iran's morality police. Yes, morality police for not wearing her hijab properly. She was wearing her hijab. She just wasn't wearing it Properly, this is um, a United Nations human rights spokesperson describing what happened. There are reports that Ms. Amini was beaten on the head with a baton and her head was banged against the vehicle by so-called morality police. Authorities in Iran said she had a heart attack, 22 years old, never sick in a day. She had a heart attack, but uh, it appeared to have been a tipping point for citizens in a country often ranked, well, always ranked in the bottom 10 for freedom around the world and routinely singled out for uh, constant institutional violations of human rights. So now we're seeing widespread protests in the street. To get some insight on how we got here and where we might be going, we're going to chat with Kaveh Sharuz, who's a lawyer at a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute Centre for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. Kaveh, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. It's really good to be with you. Thanks for covering the story. Yeah, uh, you know, sadly, unfortunately, I think a lot of us know that literally hundreds of people are killed by this regime every year in Iran. Why do you think this particular death and what happened with this 22-year-old woman sparked the outrage and the protest that we're now seeing that has grabbed global attention? That's an excellent question. I mean, first of all, I, I should note this is by no means the first protest. I mean, there have been Absolutely, mass yeah. protests. Uh, there were mass protests in 2019, which the government crushed by killing at least 1,500 people in 2017 and so on and so on. Uh, this one was sparked, I think, by something that was so incredibly cruel, which you, you know, highlighted, um, in the, in the lead up to this interview, you know, the killing of a completely apolitical uh, woman for no reason other than the fact that, you know, her hair was showing her, her hijab was not, um, up to the government standards. Um, you know, this has been, this is pent up rage that has been building for 40 years. This regime is a gender apartheid regime. There's no other way to express it. Um, and I think people have been very angry about it for a long time. And this, this was just the spark that kind of lit this fire. And, and like you say, gender apartheid and it's women who started this particular protest. It started on social media with the removing of the hijab and the cutting of the hair. It was women that really sparked where we are now, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, women have been at the forefront of resistance to this regime for a long time. One of the first things this regime did when it came to power um, in 1979 was impose the hijab on women, and women went out in very large numbers and protested. Uh, that movement was crushed by bullets and literally, and I kid you not, throwing acid in the faces of women. So they were they were shut down there, but for 40 years they've been struggling, and this is another outpouring of, of rage and anger. And, you know, uh, Kave, I think for a lot of us, we don't understand or are not aware of the fact that when you take a look at Iran, there's two very different groups. You've got the citizens 
by and large, who are extremely pro-Western and uh, have been uh, for up until the last 40 years, as you say. And then you've got the regime, which is despised by many. I mean, it's not like Iran is one central block and they all feel the same way. The citizenry is extremely upset with the way they're treated by the government, correct? That's exactly right. This is one of the things that I always try to tell people in the West in the, is that there, there's almost no other country I can think of where there's such a vast gulf between the people that rule and the people that are ruled. Right. Um, Iranian people, you would be surprised to know, are very westernized, as, as you say. They're very, you know, they have access to the internet sometimes, though that's yeah. blocked sometimes. Um, they have access to the internet. They watch satellite TV. Um, they're very well educated, and they want to be open to the world. And surprisingly, they're very secular as a result of 40 years of religious repression. They're, they're rebelling, and so they're very secular. The government is something from the 7th century. Um, so obviously, you know, there's going to be this, this incredible conflict that's going to brew up. And as you say, we've seen these protests before, this one going, and you mentioned the Internet. Um, so there's a lot of fear and a lot of concern that with the Iranian regime cracking down, shutting down the Internet, suspending social media, things like that, that something awful is about to happen. Um, where do you anticipate this is going to go? Um, it, it really depends on kind of what outside uh, players do in this yeah. case. So to, to remind your listeners, uh, this, this has become a habit of the Iranian government. Every time there's a protest, what they do is they shut down the Internet or slow it down to the point where people inside can't communicate. Um, they can't organize and they can't get their message outside the country. And so they use that time, the regime uses that time to crush the protesters and kill them. In 2019, as I mentioned, they killed 1,500 people. They're doing the same now, but there is hope that perhaps the West is, is going to step in. Um, you know, they're pleased to Elon Musk, for example, to use his Starlink system, which he has deployed so effectively in Ukraine, to keep the Internet on in Iran. Um, and so I think if, if we manage to do that, you know, the citizens will have a chance. We're chatting with Kaveh Sharouz, a lawyer and a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute's Center for Advancing Canada's Interest Abroad. We're talking about um, the situation in Iran, and now I want to focus a bit on the international response. This is uh, Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolie, talking about what... Um Canada is looking for here. We are calling for a full and complete investigation into uh, the regime's uh, actions, and we deserve explanations. Um, Kavi, that seems like some really, really weak, weak, weak response from the Canadian government. Uh, do we need to be doing more as an international community? I mean, I know you don't want to get involved in a sovereign nation, but at some point, don't human rights rise to the level that we need to do more than we have? Uh, absolutely. I think that is a very weak, weak response. Um, you know, asking the murderers to investigate their own murderers seems like not a great approach. Um, I think there are things that the international community should be doing generally, aside from just condemning Iran, but there, there are very specific things that uh, Minister Jolie and, and the prime minister can do. Um, you know, there is a revolutionary guard corps in Iran, which is the sort of most uh, vicious arm of the Iranian regime and the prime minister and his cabinet committed to putting them on a terror list. We haven't done that. Mm -hmm. There are sanctions, there's sanctions legislation that we can use uh, to sanction human rights violators, you know, the leaders of Iran's regime. We're not doing that. Um, and there's a whole host of other sort of policy options on the table. But for some reason, I think uh, we're simply stuck at the rhetorical phase right now. You know what, Gavi? I mean, even as uh, Jolie was making that, and it's from a couple of days ago. In fact, it's from the exact same time as the leader of Iran was addressing the United Nations General Assembly and talking about how they don't feel they can trust the United States. So, I mean, it's not just Canada. Uh, the leader was invited to the UN and addressed the General Assembly. I mean, do we need to do more to sort of isolate this regime? Uh, it seems like this happened days after this woman was killed on the streets of Iran. 
Absolutely. I mean, there were images of U.S. Secret Service people protecting Iran's so-called president while there were, you know, while his goons were beating people up on the street. And for your for your listeners that don't follow Iran closely, Iran's president is a man implicated, directly implicated in the mass murder of thousands of people, including members of my own family. Uh, I mean, this this person has a long history and, and, and his arms are sort of drenched in blood, so to speak. Um, the fact that we just kind of allow these people to come and go and occasionally issue press releases condemning them is really insufficient. I really think the international community um, and the Canadian government need to take much stronger steps. Um, let's go back to Iran. How do you anticipate this? Gonna, as you say, there's been other protests like this, and ultimately it has ended with the regime escalating, cracking down to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of deaths. Are, we, are you anticipating that's what's going to happen here as well? Um, that is the million-dollar question. Um, I regrettably, sadly, do anticipate a lot of deaths. Whether or not the revolutionaries, and I, I don't hesitate to call them that now, they really are revolutionaries, whether they succeed um, will depend in large part on kind of the international reaction, right? As I mentioned earlier before your break, whether or not they manage to get reconnected to the Internet will depend a lot on whether we can provide them with technology. Uh, there needs to be sort of sustained international attention. Regrettably, the West sometimes pays attention to these things and then moves on. But, you know, the Iranian regime is waiting basically for the world to move on before it sort of cracks down. And so we need to make sure that we keep sustained attention on what's happening. Yeah, I agree with you, because you're right. Typically, we do move on, and things go back to the way they were. Cabby, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining. We'll check in on this story again. Thank you so much. That is Cave Sharuz, who is a lawyer, a senior fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad.